Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of We Speak English Good. Today's guest is drummer, mostly, but multi-instrumentalist Randy McGill. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Randy over Craigslist because he had posted in different markets uh, his ability to record drums with a good turnaround, a fast turnaround, and good quality. And so I went and looked him up and I saw his videos and he's a killer. So I was like, shit, I might as well just ask him if he wants to do the podcast. And it turns out that he had a um, EP coming out. So I thought, shit, why not promote your EP and, um, you know, get some content together and present a show. That's what I do. Um, so the EP is called Funktastic. No, hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me hold on. I'll be right back. Okay, so the song is called Funktastic. Um, the song that we're featuring on this episode is called Fe- Funktastic, and it's featuring Shedrick Mitchell, J. Jones. Oh, hold on, I'm clicking on it. Julian. Avila and Dieter LeBosser. Sorry, guys. And uh, Randy is doing the drums, of course. And um, it's such an interesting way he put together this this uh, this album. We'll go over that in the podcast. So just listen because it's awesome. And the interest intricacies of his music and how he composed it and arranged it and had people record for it it was just incredible so we'll get to that but um so the ep is called eclectic and i'll put a link up on um on uh in the in the liner notes so you guys can just go ahead and click right to it and buy it right away um he's a company owner for ram music llc that's where he that's how he does his business, how he does his recording and all that stuff. So um, I'll put all his stuff up so you guys can go and check him out. Um, anyways, I just wanted to give you a little update. I, I told you guys last week that I started a job at UPS. And, um, and I'm, it's before my shift right now. It's like 7.30 in the morning, Toledo Standard Time. And I have my foot wrapped in ice because a conveyor belt fell on it. So my hands hurt, my wrists hurt, and it's getting in the way of my plane. But I have to do what I got to do. I'm still looking for musicians to play with. So it's just, it's hard breaking into a um, a new market and... I'm going to start hitting up some of these uh, open jams here in the new year and just start getting my face out there because that's important. I think we when we talked to Tony Econ- um back, you know, a couple months ago with Brian Repack, he was talking about going to Austin and trying to break into the scene, but, you know, people have their established players that they call when they need a keyboard player and or a guitarist or whatever you play. And so here I am. I'm 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 scouring Craigslist and you know, I'm I'm looking in other markets like Detroit and Ann Arbor 
and it's just it's a grind man it's a grind in san diego i had 10 years behind me of you know meeting people and and playing with people back when they were just young when we were all young and then watching them their careers take off and you know then they pull me into their career because they know i play and so it's weird like that you grow up with people in markets and um so it's it's a it's a tough gig, but we're gonna get there. You gotta stay positive. Anyways, write the show at we speak English good at gmail dot com and you can check out the website. I'm sorry I'm a little froggy. <coughs> I I've had this cold for like two weeks. I work in the back of a trailer, so it's like weird. Um it's weird and cold, I should say. <laughs> and um on my second day, I I was just freezing my balls off, and my son's been sick. It's just it's snowy out, so it's just how it goes around here. Uh, you can also check out the website wespeakenglish.net, and I got some great content coming up for you folks. So stay tuned, and um, let's jump over to Randy McGill. Which we did it. Uh, we had a little conversation via Facebook Messenger. So here's Randy McGill. So I'm here with Randy McGill. He's a drummer, multi instrumentalist, and uh, you just came out with a new uh, EP, correct? Yeah, yeah, I, I just dropped Eclectic uh, Black Friday. Um, it's available on CD Baby. Um, it'll be on, I'm just waiting on iTunes and all the streaming services, so hopefully next week it'll be up there. It, I saw your post on Facebook. You said something about uh, the holidays got them backlogged or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. It's, it's either them or me. I'm going to put it on them. I'm not going to take the blame on this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I feel you there, man. Um, yeah. So... Um, let's start from the beginning. So is there a musical lineage in your family at all? Yeah, actually, uh, my uncle, um, I'm originally from Kansas City, so Kansas City is a real big jazz town. Yeah. And uh, my uncle did quite a, a bit around Kansas City on saxophone. Um, it was before I was born, so I got to uh, hear about it on the back end. But as far as lineage, that would be it that I'm sure of. Oh, okay, right down. And what was your uncle's name? Uh, his name was Bill Frierson. Bill Frierson, and I've never heard of him. Did he? Uh... I, yeah, I don't think most people have. Yeah, he, he kind of did most local stuff. He he was really like you know like what we call it a business like weekend warrior. So gotcha, gotcha. Friday and Saturdays, probably working a regular job. Right, and right, right. Pulling the horn out when he can. Right on, man. Well, that's cool. You know, I I respect that. Uh, yeah. so you're a full time musician right now. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah, I actually moved to Miami about five years ago to uh, play with one of the top uh, corporate wedding bands down here. So I've been down here about five years now doing it, and everything's been going good. So Yeah, I mean, Miami seems like it's a big enough city where you can actually work and make a good living out there. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's big for the... Um, for like wedding corporate band type things, but for the original music, like especially with what I'm trying to do, you know, it's it, it's a melting pot of people here. So really trying to p find people to dig into the funk, you know, is kind of tough. But. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was listening to some of your songs and um, I totally hear like the snarky puppy influence and yeah. um, 
And uh, well, I was actually I, I that was the first thing I thought when I heard some of the tracks. I was like, oh, shit, this, I, I hear like a little snarky puppy in here. And then uh, I looked on your page that your your CD baby page and it says snarky puppy right there. And Robert yeah. Glasper, which I love, yeah. love Robert Glasper. I love snarky puppy. That, aren't, isn't snarky puppy doing their festival down there or didn't they do that down there? Yeah, they, they do the ground up festival down here. They did the second year um, this year. And it was like a four-day festival, man, and they were out everywhere. I was working every night, so I couldn't even get to it. But come to find out, they were out till like 6, 7 in the morning. All my friends was jamming and didn't tell me. <laughs> like, they told me the next day on the wake-up. I'm like, don't tell me on the wake-up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the worst when you feel like you missed the party. But right. you got, but you got to wait. That's the thing about being a musician, especially when you're working all the time. Is like awesome shows come through town, and you're like, "Well, I'm working, so I guess right. I'll catch them next time." Thing, and the funny thing is, a couple of members of the band, I just started seeing subs like three different, two different subs Thursday, three different subs Friday, oh, four I see. Saturday. So I asked the leader, I said, "What's going on?" They said, "Well, you know the festivals this week." Yeah. I was like, "The Starkey Festival, them dudes took off." <laughs> Like y'all should have told me that we could have went as a group. We could have got the group ticket. <laughs> right on. So, so uh, you uh, just listening to your chops and listening to how you play. I um, I assume you grew up in the church. Yeah, or, definitely. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, like you, like I feel like you could always tell someone who grew up in the church. Uh, I mean, especially like Baptist church or yeah, uh, exactly. Because yeah. you got uh, there's a certain way that. Uh, just a certain way you hit the drums, especially, or even if you're a piano player or a bass player. I mean, you can hear how, uh, like, a piano player, the the chords they choose and how they put it together. There's a strong gospel background. Uh, how yeah. old were you when you started uh, playing drums? Um, I actually started when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. So I, I started playing at church um, when, let's see, that would have been like seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, I started actually playing drums at church. So, but I did like classical, like I went to um, um, Emporia State for um, percussion performance. So I've got a little bit of both of the backgrounds. Like when I'm, cause all my friends were in church and I just didn't want to do that. Like once I got to high school, yeah. so I was like, I don't want to become a jazzer, forget that. I'm not going to do that. So I went there, you know, I went to um, a pretty pre prestigious high school where they, they kind of let me pick and choose which style that I wanted to go to but you know when something's not what you do it's who you are you can't get away from it so yeah I feel you uh, so so yeah because that's one of the things that I've noticed also I, I played with a Baptist church here in Toledo actually a long time nice. ago um, like 11 years ago because I just came back to Toledo from San Diego which kind of has a a touristy kind of vibe has the corporate wedding band thing you can make a good living yeah. just entertaining tourists uh you know right. so um that's what i was doing and now i'm back in toledo which there's not much of a tourist scene here so i'm sort of just drifting in limbo but before i left i played in a, a baptist uh church band and my god like that was the that was boot camp for me and it, yeah. i mean it kicked my ass like i had no idea what i was doing but like by the time i end up leaving like it, i just had a whole new perspective of music but what i did notice was a lot of the musicians in the bands and when we'd go and visit different churches um they didn't know how to really read music it, a lot of it came right. from just he listening 
and you know just right. uh especially when um you know when a, a deacon is up on stage and they start they start singing and you actually have to find the key of where they're singing in and then everybody just jumps in and and like so that yeah. i mean to me that's that's amazing for ear training but um but not so great for reading and i'm not i'm not making a sweeping generalization um no you're, no you're actually 100 percent. i believe you're 100 percent telling the truth on that i think the roots even go back further than that you know when you're talking about pretty much any um american music especially this african influence mm -hmm. You're gonna run into where it's more soul driven right. than tech, tech, uh, technically driven or even reading. You know, like it, 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 I used to argue with my um, my percussion instructor in college because I'm telling them all the charts that you're having me do. Um, I know these guys were creating them. They weren't creating them for the purpose of writing the part. Uh -huh. so if I'm going to be playing jazz and bebop, shouldn't I understand the language they're trying to speak more than notes on the paper? Of course, mm -hmm. he didn't want to hear that. But <laughs> to be honest, you know, that really is the truth. But you have to be balanced, man. I, I, I tell you, the, the the best thing is me being able, because it's it's enough work here to work, but a quarter of my work is playing keyboards and that requires theory reading and all of that. And even with the CD and writing it, like um, I was at a gig and one of the guys that I called, he um, he's Grammy nominated and he um, lives out of town. And he was like, Randy, I can't hear the chord changes. I need a chart. And I've only got an hour cause I'm on the road. Oh. So I had to write him out a chart real quick. And I was telling my uh, wife, I was like, man, what would have happened if I didn't know how to write this chart? If the song wouldn't have got done, you know? Right. Right. It's good to be both. You know, the the ear is what we listen with first, so I try and always make that the strongest. But when now that I've been composing and stuff, you have to be able to do both. Yeah, and and, and, and that's the thing where I falter is, like, I, I can read music, but I can't apply it, like, on the spot. And I, I'm just a terrible reader, but my ear is, like, it, it's on point. But right. I can I can still speak the language. So, like, I know what, a like, a you know, a E flat, sharp five or whatever is right, you know right, like right. i know what that is i know how to find it like i know what it is it's just not being able to read and and chart stuff out correctly i could chart stuff out for myself but right no everybody has their own system right yeah. right so so you um did you start playing piano in church or is that something you picked up after or well, i started in church the funny thing is is like i was saying about my high school man it oh, was okay. a lot great musicians that um, went to my high school, like some are musical directors for big um, artists now. Janelle Monet went to my high school. You oh, know? So cool. It's a, it's a lot of um, real... I was I was a little behind the times in high school, so I wasn't very good. So the main keyboardist left, because I wanted to play drums so bad to the point... <laughs> I, our marching band was real popular, and I took one of the uh, snare drums because I couldn't cut it for the, my freshman year. So he let me take one of the snare drums home for the uh, summer, and I just pissed my neighbors off. Excuse my language. It's but okay. Every day I was outside beating the heck out of that snare drum. But anyway, long story short, so what, I wanted to be in a band so much that uh, the music teacher was like, well, I know you kind of play keys a little bit. I would rather, you know, it's an open spot here, or you're going to sit behind four drummers. Oh, right. So I said, well, I might as well, you know. Yeah, I want to go on a trip, so I might as well, you know. I don't want to be the understudy to the understudy to the understudy right. like that. Like the paper when they, I don't, when they, you know, when they announce the bands, they write them down. When yeah. you do your little high school program, my name's on the outside. Like, I, <laughs> so, 
So yeah, that's how I actually ended up playing piano. I hated it too, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, but now I'm so thankful that I did. You yeah. know, like years they meant a lot me doing that. Yeah, and, and like that's another thing that drummers can kind of get stuck in this like I'm a drummer and and like that's all I do and I can't really communicate like you know the uh, the non atonal uh, right. aspect of music. So you know talking E flats and sharps right. and naturals and all that good stuff so that's awesome that's so so did you actually start playing piano in high school like just by necessity i mean is that the first time you ever sat down in front of piano and like okay i gotta learn this well yeah it's funny because you know like back to the church upbringing i guess because we're in church five or six nights a week yeah uh and then it's like you we all ended up touching every instrument right right and um, one of the one of my mentors, I think I just really started because I looked up to him as a man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just to be able to be around him is what made me kind of start taking it seriously, which led to me really having to play in high school. So I didn't really start playing, dealing with charts and like scales, modal stuff until like high school. Okay, okay, but but you had experience with it and the bass yeah. too. Right, and, right. Okay, and then yeah. so so uh, so when you're uh, making music or composing what where do you start do you start with like a beat or do you start with a bass line what what or does it change up from song to song it, it normally changes up because i end up doing like i've got uh lines in the drum recording studio as well so i've been having to do production there and i'm having to start with people's um with the original beats that they have me personally i like to start with melody because hmm. that's the main thing that i'm going to be having people sing you know even if it's an instrumental yeah I'm, or it could just be a chord progression a lot of times is that a lot of times it's a chord progression and then how can i place a counter uh a counter melody against the chord progression that's still singable but a musician of respect <laughs> I always do drums last because it's the thing I know how to do the best. Like it's funny. Like it was people see me tracking the studio. Like everything's done yeah. except drums every time. So yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, because like I'm similar in the same way is that uh, I'll start with like maybe a chord progression or just a melody will go off and and I'll I'll start laying that stuff down over like a like just a really cheap like electronic drum beat yep, just to kind of keep just trying to keep the time and kind of keep a it give you know keep an idea going and then at the end is when i'll be like okay let's bring a drummer in and let's get that yep. down because because i can i can do all the instruments except well rhythm section wise i can do that but i can't drum <laughs> although i did yep. start as a drummer but that faded out and, and then guitar and bass and piano kind of took over there so that, i know how that yeah, it just it just it goes and it, it's weird because it goes in waves where it's like I'll I'll just be messing around on the bass and be like oh that's a cool bass line and then I'll build off that or else um or else I'll just be messing around with guitar and I'll be oh okay cool cool and then I'll just sort of build off that is, is that similar how do you kind of do it like you'll just kind of be fiddling around and yeah and you and you know what I think that's good for producers like ourselves because it makes all the music not sound the same yeah uh, you know, because of I, 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 a lot of my friends, they write just um, specifically from the piano. Right. Which then that means that certain voicings you're going to be using are always going to be the same. So then all the songs sound similar. But you know how it is. Like a guitar nine chord and a keyboard nine chord are voiced way different. Right, right. So it gives 
texture to the song. So I think I think that's actually pretty cool to write from multiple instruments. Yeah, me too. The only too. one I really don't write from is drums because um, you know how it is. The better drummers get, the more notes they want to play, but the less people want to hear them. So, yeah. it's like, <laughs> so I tell you how to do that last. I had to tell myself, radio, Randy. Think of the radio. Think yeah. you want to hear this on the radio, you know. So. Right, right. Now, uh, like watching some of your videos, you have a lot of tricks that you kind of that you, you twirl a lot, and you you got a lot of stuff going on. How did you start developing those tricks? Or, I mean, like, well, it's funny. Uh, I, I like I said, my marching band. We were a, a southern style marching band. Ah, so gotcha. My, my band director went to uh, uh, Florida A and M. So every year he would send our drum majors out to Florida A and M, and then we would learn their show. And in those shows, anybody, you know, anything about historically black colleges, like, it's twirling, dancing, yeah. all of that. It's, it's more twirling than drum playing. I used to give a hard time. <laughs> <out of it. laughs> and then, um, you know, um, after I finished school, I went off to Emporia State, which was straight core-based DCI-style marching. Yeah. So it was still in there, but yeah. not, you know, not as much. And then when I came back to Kansas City, um, the main drummer there, um, his name was Gogo Ray. This is in the... Um, late 90s so um i started taking lessons from him and, and I, my first lesson i asked him i said okay so we went through all of this because you know he's testing me out let's see rudiments your rudiments we went through that real quick so we're at the end and he said i asked him i said all right so what is it that you do that wows the crowd like what is it that you do that shuts a show down is it a lick or is it a feel and what he ended up doing was one of the twirls that we did in college and it was like a light bulb went off for me. So every gig, I mean, I was twirling through our slow songs. I think I was twirling on breaks. I was twirling through our people's solos. Listen, I didn't care. I, I was twirling while the DJ was playing. I'm twirling setting up. I'm twirling breaking down. <laughs> Man, I have, I have, I'm not going to lie. I haven't done a gig where I did that probably like years, bro. You passed 30, boy. You stop all that like yeah. You know, I want to hear the tone of the symbol. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not just bashing it, but no, man. Uh, no, you know that it, it is a, um, it's a pretty cool thing that everybody loves, man. So yeah, they like it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, and then like uh, I, I love that you brought that up. Is once you pass like a certain age, like I mean, because in your twenties, you're just like you're trying to make an impression. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're feeling yourself, you know, like you're you're like maybe a little too much, and too then much. You're, <laughs> you're doing everything flashy, trying to get the crowd going. But then like right. once you get older, you start realizing it's like, well, it's not about me. It's about like what we're doing as a collective here, and you start sort right. of settling down and ego i feel like deflates a bit and, it does it does and uh you're not talking so much shit and <laughs> yep, you're right and i'll tell you what man too i started playing with uh i don't know if you're familiar with like strange music and tech nine and chris calico and all of them and i know who tech they, nine I, is yeah they liked me to do all of that stuff but they did two hour two hour and a half shows straight okay and bro, I just couldn't physically do it. That ain't, that'll make your ego go down real quick. <laughs> right? Like, again, we want it again. I was like, bro, my finger's about to fall. I can't do it anymore. Oh, man. So, yeah, so, so you I were, learned the hard way, bro. Well, that's good. That that reminds me of like what a what a parent catches a kid smoking cigarettes. They're like, you're going to smoke yeah. the whole carton. The whole and yeah. and, yeah. Then, and yeah. then tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Go up, come back and talk to me real quick. So, so you work with Tech Nine, and uh, is he yeah. from Miami or is this? Yeah, in... he's actually from Kansas City. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, you he, had. A... He, 
I mean, like, Tech Tech Nine is a, a national act. I mean, if people don't know who he is, check him out. He's a badass rapper. So you yeah. were you when you were working with Tech Nine, were you working with a full band or was it like DJ drum setup? Well, see, I've done it like three or four different ways. Like it was a five piece band, then it was a four piece band. So we went anywhere from DJ drums all the way up to like a five six piece band. Gotcha. Depending on budget and such. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> who can handle the tours? Who can handle the buses and stuff like that? Yeah. Now, uh, where have you done any recording for Tech Nine, or you got credits on any of his albums, or any? Uh, no, because by the time he really started, because when once we came in with it, he was already like Strange was real well known and all of that, all of that. Like they had done the song with Eminem, they had oh, done okay. the Little Wayne song. I think it was we were doing the Sixes and Sevens tour. All right. Um, but. You know, his demographic didn't really, the live band, like he signed a live band to the label oh. from Miami named Mayday. Oh. So he didn't really want the band to compete, you know, and I can understand that. Yeah. And, and for his show, he was so energetic without it that it was really more like a trial thing. Mm. So hmm. now, like now he just went back to standard just tracks. Yeah. It's like the... The, I, just, I was just talking to my friend uh, yesterday about um, how hip hop artists will will rap over their tracks, which is fine. I get it. But then, like, what bothers me is when rappers are rapping over their own raps, you know, like they couldn't even right. get like, why and couldn't you get that even, like, in the right key like that? <laughs> like, I've seen a clip and this is no disrespect to anybody doing music, man. But. Yeah. I seen a clip of uh just on Facebook earlier of Twenty One Savage doing the halftime show. Okay. Um, of one of the NBA uh games, and man, I'm telling you, no in ears. He's trying to listen to the stadium speakers, oh. so he's like three seconds behind the oh, beat, man. monotone. I'm like, is this what the kids like? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I. It just it always like it always like to me, especially seeing like bigger acts when they come out and just rap over their own raps. Like they it's like to me it's like you couldn't even get like your shit mastered down without the without the vocals on. Like you can't even I mean I understand backing vocals and stuff. I get that. You can't just do three part harmonies on your own or whatever, but like you know, like come on, at least have your verses down and and, and have it off of the track. To me right. that's just like just bad karaoke is yeah me Dude. too I, I feel the same way man like it's called performance tracks for a reason it's not mm. that much. engineer just has to press mute right <laughs> you're done you go right you know I mean? right it's i don't understand that either man. it's like they wrapping up their old cd like, <laughs> I got in the car i'm not coming to see you do this <laughs> so uh besides like uh bigger names like tech nine is there any bigger names that people might recognize that you've worked with or toured with um, well, I did um, Bloodstone a little bit. Well, most of the stuff I've done has been with like older, like R and B, seventies, eighties acts. Oh, cool! I did a couple of shows with Charlie Wilson. All We've right. done. Um, I did Bloodstone. I'm trying to think who else. That would probably be it that everybody would know, unless they're from Kansas City. Like as far as Kansas City, I played with everybody there, and in Miami, pretty much everybody here. Really, the only person I haven't played with yet here is Flo Rida. So. Oh, okay. Nice. And, I, and I'm praying that's coming. That's on the radar. We try to get that coming. So. Right. And then, so when you're um, when you're getting these gigs, is, do you are you just getting your name dropped to these artists just through word of mouth, or do you have like a booking agent that books you personally, or like how how do you well, the, how do you how do you get 
access to bigger names like that, I guess, is what well, I'm man, You know, it's funny because, like, even with all the sites we see and everything, and they're saying, you know, I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying most of my gigs have either come by A, word of mouth, or B, me doing a gig with a musician who's already in the band. Mm. And and most of those gigs would end up being either lower paying or something to where I wouldn't normally take it. And something told me just go ahead and take the gig. Like even with um, I did this corporate like I was talking about the corporate band. I did we did our video and they called a sub bass player in, and we're playing over the track. Like I because you know you know how it goes video and audio they got to match it up. Right. So um, he comes to me he's like man you're bad bro I'm gonna work with you man I'm going to Europe for about three weeks. And then I'm gonna come back and talk to you. I was like, oh, that's cool. You go on vacation, you know. I'm not thinking like we all musicians, right? So <laughs> he's like, no, man, I'm going on the road. He said, I'm the musical director for uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh, See, so that's kind of the way it works. Right. And then it's like, well, here's my card. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't let him get Casey out here. Okay, here you go. Here's yeah, my card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So ne- networking, networking, yeah, which is yep. really important. It's it's super important, and um, I I feel like my networking didn't start until I was after 30 and ego right. kind of deflated and i wasn't trying to be something i wasn't it was like uh i i think that's the most important part is like not letting your ego get in the way and being able to talk to somebody like like a human being and being like and sell yourself at the same time it, it's just a it's a weird dance that i'm still learning yeah. but you know it's but no and you're telling the truth and, and the thing is is you know some things i don't think you ever grow out of and it's like in that part, you always are like a freshman in high school, right? Yeah. Like, no matter who you played with, no matter your age, no matter how many tours you've done, you still have to hit your jam sessions. You still have to have your business cards. Yeah. You still have to know. You know, it's funny. I know so many people that are phenomenal players, but the business side of music is what messes them up. Mm-hmm. Professionalism, being on time, knowing the songs, you know, the little things that – we think would be easy, but I understand why, because when we, you know, you look at TV, YouTube, all of that, they don't really promote that as that's the way you get jobs. Right. You know, even like with like a couple of videos I put up, it's like videos, I've got two hour videos of me playing pocket all gig, right? Yeah. And the one video I put up that's 30 seconds with licks all the way through it is the video everybody comments, but that's never gotten me a job. Yeah. It's never gotten me a job, yeah. you know? Maybe twirling, maybe twirling has more than actually the the playing aspect, but never like the chops and all that. It's been being professional, being on time, remaining humble. You know, never putting anybody on or off a pedestal. Treating every musician the same way. Yeah, uh, include myself. You know how that goes. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you you have your own production studio, um, Lions yeah. Den, right? Right, right, right. Like I wanted, to, I wanted to cut a niche into the market because I know that it's a lot of home studios. Like I'm a home studio musician, you know. Yeah. So, but I know also the hardest thing to do is drums. And I know if 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 we don't have anywhere where we can keep continuously recording drums and eventually program drums to take over, then I'm out of a job. And then some, and then some songs just the program drums don't get it. Some work perfect, right? You know. So um, I just wanted. to kind of fill that niche where anybody you know who has a home studio you're not going to break the bank trying to get real professional drum sounds from a professional drummer you know so well i I mean the loop sets and all of that i've used the sound packs and all of that but still the editing of them sometimes the inflection of where you want to put it's just a lot of 
it's a lot a lot of editing that goes that way. I mean, you can just call me and I'll get it knocked out for you. Yeah, well, I think well that's how we linked up because and I assumed that you were from Toledo, so like that's what threw me off. But you were just posting an ad on Toledo Craigslist saying, "Hey, I got these pro drums, holler." And uh, so that that's how we linked up. Um, and I was trying to get you to meet me somewhere in Toledo. And you're like, "Nah, man, I'm in Miami." If I fly there, your first track is gonna be so expensive, bro. <laughs> what it costs you'll, you'll get that invoice teared up i'm telling you oh yeah oh yeah I, i'm well aware of that that i mean just so when you have your um your studio you have your drums just already mic'd up ready to go then i i see right. okay yeah yeah and, I, and i'm running logic i use pro tools if necessary um and then i'm, I'm running everything into like a behringer x18 that's the one with the ipad and on everything oh, on yeah it's the interface too so I can record up to 16 channels, so I normally do like 10 to 12 tracks of drums just by drums by themselves. Oh wow! And then, so what? What's like your basic configuration of mic placements and stuff? I, I know, I know that's a lot, but uh, especially yeah, no, 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 I use I, I use a mic on the inside, or outside of the kick, okay. inside to get the attack, outside to get the body. Um, I use 57s on all of the um, toms except the floor toms. I use beta 52s on the floor toms. Oh okay lower frequencies so yeah. um, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a sure guy man like my uncle and everybody I grew up with that's what they used so and then when I went to go look at buying mics it was like bro I'm just <laughs> gonna go with what I know so like I said so I used SM57s on the toms and snare uh, top and bottom um, and then SM81s for my overheads and the hi-hat okay. and then the only mic that I don't use um, that are is Shures on my roads, uh, the NT1s for overheads. Okay, okay. Or not for overheads, for a uh, room mic. Room mic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are those ribbon? Are those ribbon mics? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was yeah, trying they're to. Pretty big mic. They're, they're real flat, so they they work. They they work for what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of good things, actually, from drummers. I've heard a lot of good things from. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But like vocals, they're a little too flat, bro. They're a little right. too flat before. Especially picking up the nice ambience of a room, bro. It's they're very good for that. Yeah, it's kind of like being in the room with your ears or something. Is what yeah, I've exactly. had people describe exactly. it as. Uh, exactly. So with uh, recording engineering, where did you kind of pick that stuff up? Really, it it was out of necessity playing with the artists, you know, because I always wanted to make myself indispensable. Like even like when I was playing with Low Key, I forgot to say them. They're another uh, national artist I played with. Oh yeah, they right. were like one of the first ones. And um, they were an old school group kind of going into transitioning to new school, so they needed tracks, performance tracks, like what we were just talking about. Yeah. So I was like, I can do it. Because yeah. I was like, I want to stay in the band. I was like, I can do anything. You need to go get sandwiches? I can go do it. I can whatever you <laughs> <laughs> But no, they needed the uh, performance tracks. And I said, I can do it. And then learned how to do it. Yeah. So and then once I did it one time, because – it was a national act. Everybody knew that I could do it. So then I just, it just grew from there and grew and grew and grew. And then as their needs got more um, extensive, I had to learn more, which, and then I finally took a course. Like, forget that. So, <laughs> what? That's, that's incredible. Like, so, so what? I mean, did you just like watch YouTube or something? Like, how did you? Because, well, okay. like, I, yeah, I'm, I guess that's a little too general. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> like, I, you know, I just grabbed it. I'm telling you, first keystroke. <laughs> I just went up. No. Okay, so 
the guy, it was a guy um, um, from Trinidad, um, Adrian, that I played in a Bob Marley tribute band with. Okay. And he, we used to call him the mad scientist because he introduced me to Ableton Pro Tools. Like back, probably before 2010, I would have never started thinking about recording and doing all of that because, I, you know, like I said, I'm part of old school people where you have to go in the studio. Yeah. It's going to cost this much. Your drums take an hour or two to set up. But, man, I can't afford all that. But we started working on the, uh, the demo for the tribute, and I watched him do everything. Oh. So he, he actually used a um, like a voiceover jingles studio that was his best friend. So it was only like a booth in the computer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, monitors and all of that. And I'm seeing the sounds he's getting, and I'm like, how are you doing this out of a computer? And he was like, you come every day. I'll kind of walk you through, like, how to get started. So at least like record, bounce, transport, import, export. He showed me all of that. Yeah. But when you got to the real technical stuff, yeah, I had to YouTube it. Lydia, I used uh, Lydia.com. I used their um their tutorials that they had. They were real good. I joined a lot of Facebook groups. Yeah, yeah. The the way you said it was just like, yeah, I just did it. Like that was it. Yeah, it just happened, man. It's <laughs> about a thin air, man. I just woke up and I was I was tracking, man. I I didn't even know how. So one of these days I'm gonna be able to talk real loose like that. That's how the stars talk. Yeah. <laughs> I just woke up, had a Grammy, man. That's it. <laughs> no hard work. Bowl of cereal and a Grammy showed up, man. I don't even know. <laughs> so, uh, so then, uh, so you ended up going back to school and kind of getting a little bit more of the technical side, started yeah. really figuring out like where frequencies sit and mixes and stuff like that. Right, and then too, man, a lot of the stuff like for drums because I was. I've always been big on drum sounds. That one, that's what I dove into first, yeah. and that's another reason. Like I, I tend to stick. Like if somebody calls Lions Den to do like a full project, I outsource the mixing mm. to uh, my guy in Waco. Okay. Um, unless it's just drums, and then I'll handle it all myself. But if it's like full band, even on like my project, like I did pre-mixing, and then I sent everything to him and let him handle. I, I believe in letting people stay in their lane, man. Yeah. That's that's only my lane for walking. I'm a pedestrian in it, bro. And he's like a Formula One racer in it, so I just let him go with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when you're when you're referring to premixing, uh, you're talking about just giving him like a sample of how you, a sample mix of what you kind of going for, so he has something right. a template to go off of. Right, exactly. Like what I want kind of stuck out, what I want in, how do I kind of want it panned? Mm -hmm. You know, do I want the drums panned as if I'm the audience member or if I'm behind the drum set? Gotcha. You know? And yeah, man, shout, let me shout him out too, man. He's Please a do. balanced audio mixing and mastering, man. He's got a, he's actually about to introduce a, a membership line where you pay, I, I can't remember how much it is a month, but you play a monthly fee and it's cheap and it gives you like three or four hours a month towards mixing and mastering so if you're working on like a demo or single or anything and then he'll um he loads up or um like any hours you don't use you get credited towards the next month so oh. look him up on um facebook balance audio mixing and mastering awesome uh, yeah shout yeah. out uh yeah, so so with your with uh eclectic um I noticed that you did have other musicians. Uh, how much of it were you, were you, was it just you? And then how much of it was like you pulling in um, exterior musicians? Okay, so so most of the stuff, man, like I, I'll say like for how I record like um, bass, 
and even sometimes piano, man, this could be my own personal preference, but I'll say I'm radio ready. In other words, I can get the track recorded for you. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to sound exactly the way it needs to sound. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine if I'm doing pop, blues, anything like that. But with this, this is like a jazz fusion album. Yeah. So I wrote all the tunes. And then as I'm listening to myself playing them, I'm like, dude, this is so whack. And it wasn't that it was it wasn't that it was whack, it just wasn't going anywhere. You can only listen to yourself so much, yeah, you know. Totally. So I just started talking to guys over the years that I've just enjoyed playing with and that I've met down the down the road, man, and they were more more than happy to do it. So I gave them pretty much a base idea. Like all the melody lines and all of that stuff, they didn't change any of that stuff, but like little inflections and licks and runs, I gave them creative freedom on that. Gotcha, gotcha. So you you compose the music and put it together, yeah. and then you just sort of like come and do it. And uh, were the musicians coming? I know you said that the one guy was on tour, so he was doing it remotely. How much of the album was done remotely, and how much was done? All of it. All of it. Wow. I love it, man. That's, That's so crazy, cool. right? I yeah, love I just, that. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I can't believe it either, man. That, but I'm telling you, that's nerve-wracking waiting on the track of the email, man. Cause, <laughs> like I said, I'm old school, bro. I'm checking my computer. I'm checking my internet. I'm like, I know it ain't me. Is it true? Is it me? You know, but, man, that's the beauty of the internet, bro. It's like how we were able to link up, you know, how you're doing your show, and then even, you know, like how I linked up with the musicians, guys I've known for years, some guys I had just met, you know, and they live – mile 13 14 2000 miles away from me you know yeah. so that that's but, that that is incredible to me like that's how you could just how you can just like send files back and forth and me uh, too. and like and like the thing is about the about your ep is that it sounds so full it doesn't sound like i mean it doesn't sound like it sounds like they, all the musicians are in one room and everybody's feeding off of each other and, like, that's not even the case at all. I mean, it kind of, but not really, you know. Right. It, it kind of <laughs> is because it, it is what it isn't. Like, I was thinking about that myself, too, because, like I said, I can play well enough that they know what I'm trying to get across. Yeah, yeah. And, and remember, I record drums last. Yeah. So most of the stuff I sent them, there's no drums. Oh, wow. Yeah, so th- there's not even, like, that driving, beating nope, force in the just, background. Nope. You just got to figure it out. But that was some of the stuff, like, they were like, dude, this is impossible, right? But, <laughs> but um, most of the stuff, man, no, nah, they just, they, they're, they're professionals. They're the ultimate professionals, man. Like, I, I told them um, yesterday, man, I couldn't even have did this without them. It, it turned out way better than what I thought, man. I'm extremely, I'm ready for the album now. Uh, okay, so uh, let's uh, let's uh, jump to a song. I think you released a song on YouTube. Um, what's that song called? Yeah, we can um, we can go to uh, Funktastic, man. This features uh, Cedric Mitchell on organ, um, the Grammy Award winner. Um, he's Maxwell's MD. He's played with Kenny Garrett. Um, it also has Jay Jones. Uh, Wait, South did he Florida. play guitar? He plays uh, Hammond. He plays organ. Oh, organ. Okay, my bad. He plays B3. Um, okay. On, on um, guitar is um, Julian Avila. And he's another South Florida legend down here, man. He's worked with so many people. I think he's got two or three Latin Grammys, too. Um, I know he played with Tony Sakar for a little bit. He did Enrique. So, you know. Um, and then Jay Jones as well. Like most of the other guys on the record are actually from down here in Florida. Because I wanted to kind of get a mix of like my guys at home and my guys down here. Right and now. then we have Kay Labassier on um, saxophone. He's 
formerly with David Lee Roth. He plays in the corporate band down here now. So, right on. Yeah. So let's uh let's jump to the song and we'll be right back. All right, sweet.
and we're back. That's a dope song. And like the thing, then to think, uh, and then think that like that was uh, just dudes sending you files online. Um, you know, drums last. Like, yeah. like it comes together so great. Like it's, I mean, it's amazing, man. I, I like, I really am blown away by that. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I think it's because it's the kind of music you're playing. Because I, I, I've done that with like pop songs and stuff like that, where right. people are just sending me a track. Okay, cool. Or like reggae. I was deep in the reggae scene out in Southern California, so yeah, like a lot of that, a lot of that, um, a lot of reggae is is pretty basic so you can kind of send these tracks i think why it, it blows my mind is because it is like this fusion jazz you know in the vein of snarky puppy and stuff um and uh i mean i mean it, it's 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 awesome so what what are like some of your uh influences and in the drumming well let's just start with drums what are some of your influences uh some of the players that influence you the most all right. Um, well, I, when I first started, man, obviously I was like a big Dennis Chambers fan. That was my guy, Vinny Colaiuta, like all the greats, Dave Weckl. Um, As I got into church and stuff, it's funny because um, Snarky Puppy's drummer, Sput, uh, Robert Searwright, actually started in church too. So I knew him from church recordings. Oh, wow. Both lefties. So it was like I really took a liking to his style because – as a lefty, there's a lot of things that righties play that I can't phrase them the same way. So it doesn't sound like when a right-handed person plays. So um, him, and then I, I went through the whole, like, uh, Spanky stage, man. Like, Spanky's phenomenal. Um, even, like, with, um, I like Eric Moore, uh, Matt Garska from Animals as Leaders. Oh, I love him, bro. I love Travis Barker, bro. I love the old, I like, uh, I like Phil Collins. I like, because, you know. I like them all, bro. I'm not gonna lie yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. My favorite drummers is uh, Steve Smith from Journey, man. Yeah, man. Because I mean, he can he will swing you out, funk you out, and then play "Don't Stop Believing" the whole thing. <laughs> this dude is phenomenal, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. what I just wanted to back up what you said because uh, about lefties not being able to uh, phrase like right. Is there a specific example that you can kind of give me that off the top of your head that? might be able to make the listeners understand yeah, okay. so so um if, if, imagine if you were right-handed and you had to write your name backwards okay yeah so anytime that i have to approach a field i'm approaching it from a backwards standpoint right so where you might go snare high middle low right mine would go low middle high snare snare. Oh, okay yeah yeah yeah, because of the hand that I start to lead with. So, and then I play the set right-handed, just open. So, okay, really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a. I mean, that's interesting. The, I, I never even thought of that of how lefties kind of have to, kind of have to like learn it in a crazy different way than what is probably even taught, right? Like people right, are, yeah. like even in school, I had a big problem with that. I had to learn everything twice, wow. like, especially when I went to college. Um, I had to, um, when I marched snare in my freshman year and they didn't let freshmen march snare. So I had to learn everything, like really learn it, then go relearn it because, you know, marching band, it's all about sticking the six snare drums. So we got to have height, volume, everything's got to be right. So I, it's always been a battle with that. 
<laughs> I almost switched up playing to righty, but I ran into uh, Will Kennedy from the Yellow Jackets. And he's a lefty, and he told me, man, don't change your style. What you have is for you, so don't change it up. If you want to add your right hand in, that's fine, but don't don't change who you are. And I just listened to it ever since. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a great player, and that that must have been a great uh, great piece of advice, man. Yeah, it was. It what, was. So, kind of, this is kind of in the same vein, but is there like a weakness in your drum playing that you have recently overcome, or you're currently overcoming? Um, yeah, you know, that's a great question because um, the thing about like YouTube and church and all of that is like, like we call it YouTube University down here, right? Because you can learn anything on YouTube right yeah. now. So you'll find guys who are like 10, 11, 12, and they're phenomenal players. Right. And when, and when you went from playing like top 40 for years, you know, mm -hmm. um, anything from like fly me to the moon to shut up and dance with me, I mean, that's still not very uh, technical right. as far as from a drum standpoint. So you just fall off. You just start getting lazy. You're not practicing your rudiments as much anymore. And um, I would be going to sheds and really, like, even working on the album, like, because of the material, I had to just go back and practice being able to play what I can think hmm. and not thinking about what I'm playing. Okay. Hopefully that makes sense. Where I can play what I think. So if I think, I should be able to play that. Not think, all right, I'm about to play. See, I would rather come from a more improvisational style. So I can, if I can think it, I should be able to do it. That's a that's great advice, actually, right there. Because um, being able to play something in your head and like making it into a reality is like so huge as a player, and I mean as any artist, I, I think, like, because that that goes across all mediums. Like, if you're a painter and you see like this image in your head and you don't have the technical skills to put it out there, then you need to go back and start working on just the rudiments of your skill. Painters, um, writers, anybody, in, in, in any way that you can do. Um, so that that's a great piece of advice. Um, hold on. I'm not being rude. I'm looking at my phone. I have, I have questions on my phone, so don't think I'm like uh, calling people or something. Um, so what... How is the the Miami music scene? Like, what what kind of dominates down there right now? Um, all of your Latin music, all of your Cuban. EDM stuff. You know, like they have the um, Ultra Festival here, so oh, that's okay. three hundred thousand people a year. Dang. You know, and Miami starts preparing for that a month before it comes. Whereas it's hard to find parking to do a jazz gig, you know. So <laughs> it that kind of give you the demographic, like how it breaks down here. Like, if it wasn't for Corporate dance kind of flash bands, man. I, I don't know if they'd have bands here. Not in a not in a disrespectful or anything like that. We have some smoking jazz groups, like straight ahead jazz groups. Some awesome country groups. Reggae is real big here. Like oh. not not your traditional reggae, but more like the sublime kind yeah, of reggae. Yeah, yeah. The, the like kind of Southern California roots reggae yeah, thing that's going exactly. on. Exactly. That's real big. Here. I didn't know that that was big down. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. It's like a kind of a tropical landscape down there but like because yeah. like in san diego i mean that's like you throw a rock you're gonna hit a fucking white boy with dreads <laughs> fucking going right. bitty bong man you know what i'm saying yep. so is yep. there a lot of like is there a lot of that white boy reggae that. kind of shit going on yes it's a lot of that it's a lot <laughs> okay. they have their own community man you know like 
different than Midwest, I'm used to it being kind of like one big community, even though you may have your different sections and factions, you know, mm-hmm. but we're all from Kansas City or like we're all from Ohio. I'm sure you know how that feels. I do, right? I do. It's not like that at all. It's, yeah. it's we create our community over here. Everybody that supports that goes to that. That's it. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of hard. That's why I feel like I'm blessed to be able to be in the where I'm at because I get to play with a lot of different people as a lot of musicians aren't doing that. Some of these musicians have been in the same band 20, 30 years because it's a job. You know, yeah. we get paid every two weeks. We're going to do these three or four gigs a week. And, you know, you're going to buy your house and do all of that off of it. You know, start your own 401k, all of that, you right, know. Right. So it, it, it's kind of hard sometimes to get your foot in the ground here because if you don't know where to start. Yeah, I can I can see that, man. Like um San Diego was kind of similar similar. There's like um like is it, like the reggae is huge. I mean just Southern California in general just is just inundated with it. Um but then you got like uh, actually a cool little burgeoning jazz scene that's growing there and um and lots of lot, lots of Mexicans, so there's like a Latino thing going yeah. on there. Uh, I, I and, yeah. And uh, and then you got your rockers and your like indie rockers and stuff, and they kind of keep to themselves. But what I was noticing before I left was like a lot of these players started kind of shifting around in in each other's scenes, and that kind of started bringing people like you know funk funk uh, fans would start going over to the reggae because they're like there was a musician from that band's going there, and so I, I really. I'm really sad I had to leave San Diego because I felt I feel like San Diego is kind of like coming to a, like sort of a boiling point with the music scene. It's starting to really take over. It's not it's not just the playing for the tourists, you know. It there's really people who are interested in going and seeing different kinds of music, um, you know, and and different players becoming big in a scene. So it, I, I miss San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine, man. I, w- I wish that we had that freedom here, but it's so corporate that even the agents can sometimes control who the band members are. So, oh, wow. It's almost like, because the, they have the union here, and like I'm a part of the union, but it, it's like a mini union inside of a union. Like If you do wedding band, corporate, top 40 stuff, you it's a 90% chance. Like, there's a guy here they call the Connect, uh, Jay Mills. So shout him out. Um, he when I first moved down here, he told me he said there's guys down here making six figures and you're never gonna see them. Oh. So when you run out to jams and sheds, don't let that discourage you because there's big money. It's that they're working all the time. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, they don't have a need to go to a jam because they've been in the same band five, ten years, mm-hmm. you know, and they're making five, six figures, you know. So, um. It can be a challenge trying to to be eclectic like the album is, yeah. you know, to, to not just be singly styled, you know. Yeah, for sure, man. That's that's interesting that uh, they kind of got it, um, kind of got it blocked off like that. And with Miami being such a like a sense uh, a, a destination, um, I, I mean, I can see how it can be kind of conformed like that because it is such a destination spot. I mean, I would even say even more than San Diego, Miami is way more known for partying. And, and so, like, when you say, like, EDM's big and, like, the Latin kind right. of thing, like, that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me because people are going there for the party. Like, if, if people are going to Miami, they're going to the clubs or, you know, they're That's going right. or they want to go see some Latin stuff. So it makes sense. 
but you know I, I can see how it can be a little frustrating for yeah, for tough. musicians it's, it's when you first got to miami what was uh um what were you well what took you to miami first of all um, I, I originally came down here. Uh, my brother was down here playing with uh, one of the corporate bands, oh. and I had just um, uh, with Valerie Tyson, and I had just got off of the road uh, with the whole tech and strange music thing. Okay. And um, you know, I have a sixteen-year-old. Um, well, he's sixteen now. He wasn't then, but yeah. um, I had been on the road for so long, and I when I came back home, man, it was like he was just almost grown up. You know, oh, it, just, it yeah. just felt like he was almost grown up. So I said, I want to go somewhere where I can play. Still, still, you know, we're still doing big stages. We're still doing all the things I'm accustomed to, but I don't have to travel state to state and do all of that. I can stay, you know, more of one centrally located place yeah. and still do that work. And my brother was like, man, you should really think about coming down here because this will probably be exactly what you need. Hmm. And he was right. So. <laughs> Turned yeah. out. That's cool. I, I That's a really admirable, man, that you're like, well, I just need to be a part of my son's life. So. Yeah. I can't be traveling around all crazy and stuff. Yeah, man, it was crazy, man. Like, because I've been doing it, man, since I was like, once I left college, let's see, that would have been 19. Yeah, I've been on the road playing and doing all that since like 19. So you're talking about like over 10 years at oh, that point. Because I was just coming into 30, and I was like, man, some stuff got to change. I'm getting old, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. It, I mean, like, you get older and the body starts breaking down a little more and. Man, well, that van isn't that. Uh, the van's not that comfortable. Not as comfortable. You're right. The hotel rooms, the that van's as fluffy as it used to be. Right. How many times can you eat a continental breakfast in a week? <laughs> you want a home? You want to smell like real grease cooking? You know, yeah. like when you when you cook it at home, it just smells different than you know. Yeah. Processed. Out of out of town food. Ooh, yeah, and then trying to like trying to like even if you're trying to be healthy on the road, it's so hard. Like you're just stopping at gas stations and, and uh. this is like I, I would do, I would literally I I was playing with a band and they were making fun of me because they're all going to Carl's Jr. or McDonald's yep. and I'm at the gas station buying nuts and an apple. Yep. Like I'm just trying to not to like I'm trying to make it through this tour. Now I'm not trying to die on it. No, I mean, you're right. It's, it's funny though. And those things that we eat on the road so much kill our um, stamina, bro. Yeah. Like, and we don't realize it because it's easy. Yeah, yeah I know exactly you what just you did. Stuffing burgers time, in, and then by the time it's bro, showtime. My first time I went out on a real tour, man, every burger place it was, we stopped at. Yeah. Everyone, I asked them, I met, boy, by the end of that, I regret. Oh, my God. <laughs> You ever see super size me? That's what I felt like. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't, I can't even put. I can't hit the snare drum. My guts in the way. Oh man, man, that that's. I, I've been doing pretty good just since I've been back in Toledo. But like this last this it's Thanksgiving weekend for people listening. This is to, tough. Yeah, this is when we pig out. Now. Yeah, so like I've been just on a tear. I've just been like yep. going nuts, and so like I've just been like lethargic. Like last night, I woke up in the middle of the night just to use the restroom. I stood up and like took a step and like I was so fucked up from eating so much shit food that I fell over. Like I yeah. literally fell over from eating too much food. <sighs> so I know how it goes. I know I, how equate it goes. that to a hard life on the road, which is can I mean like because it, it, it can be hard and a lot of people have this misconception that like you're playing music and blah blah and which it is. It's bu beautiful and it's way cooler than working in some shitty office where you hate your life. Absolutely. But, but it is hard to like maintain stamina and 
because like you you have to you're awake all day and you're like you're either traveling or you're just sort of in some city somewhere and you got to eat and you're eating quickly and by the time that show comes man who it, it could be a challenge to like muster up the energy but i'm telling you man it was like every day six days a week we'd get to the venue about three we'd watch the you know the crew set up so they set up so about uh well we'd probably get to the venue about one the crew was set up about three so the band had to be there at three o'clock well sound check from about three to four then we'll hurry up and wait we just sitting there waiting <laughs> for the opening act the people to get there by nine we hit the stage about 11 we'd be done you got to do any kind of after parties if it was um, authorized by, you know, the actual uh, business manager. Like, if it was one of the sponsor, uh, the artist sponsored after parties, you had to go. Yeah. So you get back about 1.32, jump on the bus, travel to the next city, get there, mm-hmm. do it all over again. We'd be in cities, we wouldn't even know where we're at. <laughs> like, we would just pull up, and we're just there. You're missing everything in the city, man. Yeah. Not far enough to enjoy it. Right on, man. Well, um, that's about it, man. I, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy. Um, again, the, the album is, or the EP is eclectic, and you'll be able to get that on iTunes. It'll be on Spotify soon. But that's currently, right. it's on CD Baby, available for purchase. Is it still $5? Yeah, it's $5, man. I'm going to keep it $5, man. We ain't going to break the pockets. <laughs> right on. And uh, and I'll put that link in the show notes so you guys can just click on it and go straight to it. And, uh, you know, if you need Randy to lay down some drums, uh, well, I'll put a link out for his website so you can just contact him and he'll he'll knock it out for you. Yeah, mention the show name. I'll give you a discount. There you go. Okay, Randy, I appreciate your time, man, and you have a great weekend. My brother's pleasure. Good talking to you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, peace. All right, peace. I think that dude's cool. Uh, he's he's super humble cat, and um, you know, he uh, just the way he he does music, his history of music, I just thought was super interesting, and I hope you guys did too. Um, You can find Randy online at Randy McGill um, on Facebook and Twitter. That's R-A-D, oh oh my God, Randy, R-A-N-D-Y-M-C-G-I-L-L. And you can find him on Facebook and um, I'll put a post to his CD Baby where you can buy his album directly from him. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hit me up, we speak English good at gmail.com and we speak English good.net. And that'll do it. Take care of your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. I'll see you next time. Bye.